Hello and welcome to Pressing Matters, a fly on the wall style podcast about WordPress, business and life. Your hosts are Ian. Hello. And Jack. Hello. Ian's a plug-in author and works for Delicious Brains. And Jack runs better notifications for WP and his web design agency. Let's get on with the show. This episode is sponsored by Fastspring, the full-service e-commerce solution that enables software companies to sell more, stay lean, and compete big. Find out more on fastspring.com. Hello, welcome to another episode of Pressing Matters. Ian, how are you doing? Hey Jack, yeah, I'm good, thanks. Apart from, obviously, we are recording in the week of the US elections, so it is Friday, things are still uncertain. But yeah, other than that, I'm, I'm trying to, like go about normal life um yeah yeah it's just busy busy week with work and stuff but and it's the first week back after half term so the kids are back and we're in lockdown so not much is going on really what about about yourself slow week in our lives yeah no yeah quite yeah we started lockdown yesterday didn't we um has it been much Mm. different for you i mean you know this time schools and things are still open so is it is it much different for you? Have you noticed anything different? No, less traffic, less not, people, or anything? Not like really. That? Yeah, a little bit less traffic yesterday. I mean, yeah, that's that is the biggest difference is that schools are continuing as much as they can do, and um, so yeah, I think that's better all round really because it means we can both work, and my son's a lot happier not having to do Zoom school at home, which he hated, and it was yeah. really weird. Um, so yeah, it's we were we weren't exactly like coming out of lockdown the first time thinking it had gone and living like living it up like it was 2019 kind of thing we were in a pretty much of a a holding lockdown pattern anyway so this is no different it's just a little bit more depressing that we have to do it again because everything hasn't been put in place to make it easier to control it over over the winter so yeah yeah it's it's good yeah i know what you mean yeah similarly we're we've sort of I suppose once you change your behaviours to an extent, they more or less stick. So you know we've we've been the same more or less. I mean we've done slightly more. And in fact, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. That the more that lockdown has kind of loosened up over the summer, the less we've done. And I think it's in an avoidance of people. You know because there'll be more mm. people in however many places, and you know the the risk kind of goes up. I guess which is what we're now seeing. Obviously, you know all of those measures of of cause greater risk so um but we're actually hoping to do a bit more now that lockdown's here again so we'll we'll see we we'll, i i don't know if that will happen or not but we'll we'll see um mm. but yeah mm. yeah it's uh it's it's sad that we're doing it again but yeah it's at least again i keep having to re um re realize how privileged i am and we are to be working at home online anyway um like it's it's such a devastating effect to to other people's businesses and livelihoods that i sometimes do just forget that like me saying oh it's a bit annoying and but it's still business as usual at least for me working like how lucky that is like and mm. i kind of need to give myself a little slap in the face once in a while because like we we went out yesterday uh, a couple of days ago to get it's my son's birthday next week and he's six and he's going to be six and he really wants a skateboard um mm-hmm. and so we went to a skate shop a local skate shop uh and we said to them like oh we, we wanted to come in this week because we thought you'd be closed next week and the lady said that actually they they basically brought in a or got in a load of bikes to sell and to add to their kind of like repertoire 
to re- repair and sell so they can stay open as part of like an essential shop for bikes and bikes repair mm-hmm. and I kind of thought oh yeah that's that's quite clever but then it hit me how much people have to fight to keep their businesses open like obviously she mm. she's aware of the pandemic and knows what it is but like otherwise you're just gonna get you're just gonna shut up shop and you can't put food on the table and yeah that was a big wake-up call of how uh you know you can get into this funk of complaining about things but when you're in a privileged position of working online um when things don't change then yeah i just need to need to keep telling myself that it's it's actually better than it could be Mm. oh yeah 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 no it's true that's um that's a good point yeah it's difficult it i mean it's important to emphasize uh, empathize but it's difficult if you're not aware of other people that are in those kinds of situations i mean i don't you know we kind of as a family keep ourselves to ourselves we're not like you know we haven't got family or sort of lots of friends that close by uh at the moment mm-hmm. and it's it's difficult and and communication is kind of i would say it's decreased you don't see as many as much of people as you did you might text them a bit more or make a video call or something but unless you're staying in touch with people as much as you did which we're not not saying that's the same with everybody um it's it's difficult to understand it i know that my mum for Mm. example uh she's an adult carer and her work just continued as normal and she could still go to the shops as normal she she said to me once literally nothing has changed for me at all and this was back in Mm. like end of march beginning of april so um yeah, it's it's strange. It's so different for each person. It's a very personal thing that everyone's going through at the moment. It's yeah, yeah it's odd. But yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, well, it's nice to actually chat though because this is like you said, we we're keeping ourselves to ourselves. You don't, we're not seeing friends. Don't don't do long video chats with friends and stuff. So this is the most I've spoken to somebody other than my wife or my two children for for a while. Which so it's quite nice to actually <laughs> you are have most a Friday, yeah. a Friday catch up. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, nice. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, I think I've been similar boat. Really, everything's kind of more or less the same this week. Um, working pretty, pretty hard. Things have it sort of slowed down a bit towards the end of the summer, work wise, and then it's kind of picked up again lately. And I've started to get in more inquiries in again. And I think there comes a point where people get almost fatigued with not knowing where they're going or what they're doing. So mm. they almost want to kind of push ahead with something, even if they know it's yeah. going to take longer they're they're into the like oh, i just want to get something done now so it's just i think that's what i'm seeing i'm seeing quite a few people kind of get in touch and uh want to do things with sites via you know a contact form on my website or word of mouth or my neighbor got in touch with me because they need a site for somebody uh that kind of thing so i think it's starting to nice. people want to kind of get things more organized again you know even if the world seems a bit up and down at the moment so that's yeah. uh that's been keeping me busy correspondence and stuff um, yeah. But otherwise, yeah, I've been beaving away on my new plugin, just working oh, on nice. it nearly, nearly every day. So that's good. I guess it's good to get the client work coming in and the, the leads coming in. But then, like, if that does ramp up in terms of actual work that you've got to work on, that takes away from the fun of the building the plugin. You, you kind of have to go shift your focus to the, to, to the sense, the serious work and the real work, as it were, because mm. it's fun working on your on the plugin side of things. It is, yeah, and and the pull is so great as well. Like if if I've got things that clients get in touch with and need need sort of doing, I tend to say I can get to this, but it's usually like within a week. Um, mm. But now I'm thinking I don't want to have to contend with that against the something that I'm halfway through today, you know that kind of thing. But yeah. it's all right. It's it's just it's understanding the balancing act of that, and I'm 
I sort of said this to a few clients last year that I'm going to be in a transitionary period in 2020 where I'm going to be moving more towards plugin development stuff anyway. This was like mm. probably about a year ago, actually. And it's a quite it was quite a good opportunity to um, be more selective about the clients that I want to continue to work with uh, as well. Yeah. But also, it hasn't really happened as much as I thought it would because of everything we're going through and have been through in 2020. So I imagine that actually the next year will, in 2021 will be the year where that happens mm. a bit a little bit more and actually i had a client get in touch or customer potential customer get in touch with this week who wants to do more plug-in and technical stuff so um so that maybe that's, oh, that's maybe cool. that's the start of it so that's good so nice. um so yeah but anyway I actually anyway oh uh, uh, yeah i was going to say just before you go into that i did watch you on the um the wp cafe a couple of weeks ago now with with uh you were oh, yeah. on with tom hurst uh, who had been on the podcast a couple of episodes back um you were talking about clients and f- freelancing and how you kind of you go through that process of getting leads and working out if a client's a good fit if they've got the right budget you know and all that stuff i thought and i just wanted to say that was a really good um really good episode i really enjoyed it like even though i don't do kind of client work and stuff but it was really a really good informative episode um that's the oh yeah i put the Thanks. link in the show notes but it's the wp cafe by the um, Mark and Keith at High Rise Digital, which, yeah, they're doing that semi regularly, aren't they? That's, that's a decent um, kind of not podcast because it's a live, it's a live YouTube video, isn't it, or a live conversation? It is, yeah. It was really good fun actually to do. It was really really good fun, mm. and it's funny actually because um, when I was doing it and talking through everything, I realised that most of what I was saying was born out of getting the wrong kinds of clients, not getting the wrong kinds necessarily, but getting inquiries from the wrong kinds of clients and how you deal with it. And if you know what kinds of clients you really want, then your process becomes becomes quite clear cut quite quickly. Mm. And what I was doing was just explaining what what I was what I was doing there and how I go about that and the things I look out for. And I realized like afterwards it might be that i just sound like i try to put off everybody but actually by doing you're putting off the the everybody you don't want and you're getting the people you do want and it's nice that i'm in a position now where the people that i get inquiring for things from my site via my site are all people i really want to talk to so Mm. it 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 does work but uh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah It, it felt like everything i was saying was negative but it was trying to do it in a positive way if you see what i mean yeah, but I assume that's the thing, isn't it? You get probably more of the type of clients that you don't want than than you get less, and you get less of the ones that you do want. So it's probably a bigger um, effort to sort of to say no to work out who to say no to. So yeah, you kind of you're always on that defensive until you get the few good ones that you can that sort of make it through, I guess. Yeah, and it takes a little while to actually yeah. work out who you want to work with as well. So like you have to have you have to go through that process of getting people that you don't want to work with to know who you do want to work with and what kind yeah. of work you like doing and what you want to do as well because nobody knows you know if you if mm. especially with um web related stuff where a lot of people haven't gone through like a formal education to get there so you're not kind of trained in going down this route or going down that route it takes you a little while so you almost have to do it yourself you have to kind of yeah. take a step back and just go okay i haven't specialized like i've got a, a i've got a friend who uh did a um 
he, he started off doing geography and going down like thinking about the oil kind of route going working on an oil rig for six months and then coming off six months now he does uh solar panels he's doing a phd in just solar energy and of course but but of the formal career you get to go down that path and work out where you want to go and understand all the kind of the branches of of that career path um you don't get to do that with the web you don't you know there isn't an official career path and in fact when i I, I stopped doing my university course to start doing web stuff. I asked, is there a uni course that I could do? Should I be doing some sort of formal training first? And everyone said, it's well out of date. Don't don't bother. Mm. I mean, this was 10 years ago and I don't know if it's changed. I honestly don't. Um, but yeah, 10 years ago, there wasn't anything that you could do that would get you up to date and, you know, uh, let you work with say, you know, React or Vue or, you know, like PHP, like seven or eight or anything like that. It was like, this is how you write a center tag in HTML, that kind of thing. Yeah. The, the yeah. blink tag, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I and think that like, the, the courses yeah. I looked at were like flash development. And this was like 10 to 12 years ago. It's like, and that was still at that point, an old technology. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it just takes a little while to work out. But um, um, I'm going to go off on a, on a, not on a tangent, but I'm going to use that oil rig, solar panel kind of thing that I was just talking about to go into introducing our guest, which is Hannah Smith. And um, Hannah's going to talk to us a bit about kind of green aspects of tech and things like that. Um, so Hannah, hello. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Really good, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's nice to, to come. I was just thinking very much about what both of you were saying about, you know, maybe not having opportunity to chat uh, in a freeform way, so it's really nice to be here with both of you today. Thank you for for asking me along. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, no problem at all. So, um, tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, what you do. Um, well, I'm a freelance WordPress developer um, based in Bristol. Um, so I have a formal education in tech. So my degree is in computer science. That was a little while ago. Um, I did that degree and then actually moved to working for the environment agency for seven seven years. So I kind of trained in tech, then left tech, worked in the environment agency, uh, then came back to tech about five or six years ago. So I've been freelancing for the last five or six years. Um, I'm based in Bristol and I tend to work with SMEs. So just, just listening to what you were saying there, Jack, about knowing what clients you do and you don't like working with. So the niche that I found myself in is, is very much working with SMEs, so small to medium enterprises that um, have existing WordPress site, probably have a marketing department, and I tend to work with clients on an ongoing basis. So I'm not quite their in-house tech person or in-house web person, but not far from it. Um, that's kind mm -hmm. of my niche and where I position myself. Um, and then I do a lot of stuff around environmental uh, impact of tech and understanding the carbon emissions of the web and stuff like that but that's very much my side project so Jack like you were talking about working on your plugins and things I was thinking yeah that's kind of me with the environmental tech stuff it doesn't really pay my my you know uh, doesn't bring me my income my income is regular client work but I always have mm. this kind of um, balancing act between client work and and my passion which is you know the environmental side of tech really yeah, absolutely. So you say you work in SMEs, they might have a marketing department, you're not in-house, but you're kind of an external 
person that they they hire to do that what kind of work do you do um well i mean customizing wordpress to make it work for their business really so custom theme build custom plugin build if required and just very much kind of helping them use tech to run the systems that they need their business to use um and so what i mean to say manipulating tech i mean manipulating wordpress really to to power their business um Mm-hmm. So yeah, so theme, theme plugin development and lots of consulting as well. Just making sure that whatever solutions they're asking for makes sense for their business mm-hmm. and what they want and where they're trying to go with it as well. Yeah, sure. So it sounds like a lot of kind of user experience stuff from a kind of um, you know the, the admin side of things as opposed to the the front end side. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would not describe myself as a user experience expert. Um, I've mean, mm. definitely never had any formal training and I would never market myself in that way. But I think when you're the sort of sole tech person or, you know, the sole, but you have to have an appreciation of those skills and some awareness mm. of that stuff. So SEO is something I end up advising on and kind of getting I suppose, to some degree dragged into a little bit. It's it's not my forte. It's not the thing that I love, but you have to have an appreciation of that stuff as well. Mm. But yeah, just, just asking questions. I mean, isn't that basically what UX is? It's just asking lots of questions about, you know, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? What's the user going to think of this? Have you thought about your in-house team? What's your, your fulfillment team going to think about this? Um, mm. Just making sure that everyone is is cool with what what I'm building really make sure it's going to work for yeah them. yeah it's kind of designing the process from from end to end thinking about each part of it and yeah I think a user experience probably was a bad choice of words on my on my part I'm trying to think of a better kind of phrase for it but yeah it's kind of like designing the designing the experience I don't think for, that was for someone. no Jack I don't think that was a bad choice of words I think that was a good choice of words I think it's just the the UX that I tend to focus on is very much thinking about the business itself so the back mm. office systems and the back office experiences and helping that business be as efficient as they possibly can because um, mm. businesses like that it keeps me in a job <laughs> if they're yeah. having a nice time with the, the stuff I'm <clears throat> building then yay <laughs> that's good yeah that's good so could you give like an example of something? So say you've taken a, a like a business and they've got a particular problem. How would you go about, like what, what would you do? Is there any example that you could give of something you've worked on recently? Um, so, I mean, I guess one, one site that I did recently is a, oh, bless them. They are a travel insurance company. Um, and they do a lot of conferences around the travel insurance world. And I say bless them Ooh. because obviously at the moment with the pandemic, yeah. they are a business that's really having to think differently and do do things differently. And, uh, you know, their, their kind of core business model is is shifting, is having I, to use that word pivot. I don't know. Sometimes I feel a bit sick when people use the word pivot. But there we go. I just used mm. it. Um so a good example of that was they were like wanting to redo their website and what what I could identify and what they were sort of getting at but not articulating as a full requirement was that they were double entering information in two places. So these conferences themselves, they were using a third party app called Aventry to manage all the conference data, the schedule, the, you know, booking onto things. And then they were double filling all of that information into their WordPress site. 
um, you know, to keep everything in sync. So, I mean, a good example was that I worked with them and I said, all right, well, look, let's see if we could maybe find out if I eventually have an API and can we mm. pull that information out of Aventry into your website and, you know, just cut all that crappy admin that you're doing mm -hmm. and that you're not doing very well <laughs> as well because I could see their <laughs> website and their app and there was just lots of stuff that wasn't quite marrying up. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess that was a good example. It was like, okay, well, there is another way, folks. Let's let's find it. And in this case, it was, you know, using APIs. Um, mm, nice. Yeah. And presumably they were happy with the like the cost savings that they were getting from not having to double handle that information. And that went straight into the cost of building that API integration. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think for them, they run sort of five or six quite big conferences every year. So it's a lot of information to keep up to date. And they're a business that really, really care about quality. So for them, mm. the issue the issue for them was actually not so much that of the time or the cost but more that they just were finding it almost an impossible process to have both things synced all the time. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, for them, it was about quality. Um, and, and, you know, and the cost is an added bonus, I, I hope. But like most businesses, you've solved one problem over here. So, you know, I saved them time doing X and then they just put that time into Y anyway. You know, they find something else to to mm. you know put their resources into uh, hopefully that moves their business forwards um yeah yeah nice yeah. that's good i like doing that um, talk mm. yeah oh good i'm um, talking of sort of um you know saying conferences and things i know it's on your site um kind of next to you've got kind of the things that you do you've got developer and then you've got speaker as well mm. obviously speaking probably taking a bit of a nosedive in many ways at the moment. Have you done any like online conferences or anything? Actually, Jack, quite the opposite. I feel like I could literally be speaking at an event or a conference every week at the moment. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, and, and largely that's because of the topic that I talk about, mm. which is the environmental impact of tech. And there are so mm -hmm. few people talking about this. It's quite astonishing. I, over the last year, I've noticed a few more people talking about it, but it's just, it's very much still on the edge of people's consciousness, of developers' consciousness, mm -hmm. I think. Um, so actually, yeah, I, I feel very in demand as a speaker, which is, which is great, but also a bit of a problem because I don't earn any money from it. It's a passion. So that balance with, you know, day job and work and trying mm. to take care of myself during the pandemic as well and lockdown, not working too hard. We were talking about, you know, having time for fun and things, weren't we, um, mm. before before we, we joined. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, actually, conferences, there's there's a lot going on. I run a meetup as well called Green Tech Southwest that keeps me busy with that, too. Um, Have you taken that online? Yeah, we did, Ian. Yeah, yeah, we did, actually. We, we only set up in February of this year. Um, so we had one face-to-face -face meeting, which was great. We were really chuffed with. We had like 50 people come, which was, you know, we were bowled over by. Um, so I run, I run that meetup with, with Mike Harley and Ellen Davis um, as well. So we're a little team. Um, then the pandemic hit. We had all this stuff lined up. So the next two or three meetups kind of, you know, pretty much sorted. Um, I think we all checked out for about a month to kind of just deal with life and in our own personal worlds and then about yeah about may we we kind of felt we all had the energy to come back together again and figure out how to go online with it 
yeah we have been online yeah nice yeah. that's good and obviously i met um you a couple of years ago now i think mm-hmm. at the bristol wordpress yes. group meetup group yes um are you still involved in that actually i stepped away from that so i stepped away oh, from did you? that yeah about about this time last year because well for two reasons one i was planning to move um mm-hmm. and not be in bristol um but perhaps be elsewhere and secondly i really wanted to free up some time to do more stuff around the environmental impact of tech and as much as i love the wordpress community and i love the meetup and you know i sort of co-running it with others for about four years in the end i mm. had to make some time somewhere and yeah i felt that the bristol wordpress meetup was something that had a strong enough community that would carry on um mm-hmm. so yeah i stepped away from that but i'm still very much in contact with peers and janice and rob and simon who were who were all still running it yeah, so, yeah. that's good mm. yeah nice oh good um I, I mean, I've been really interested to talk to you actually, um, you know, more on the on the green tech side of things, because it's if you sort of follow me on Twitter, you'd see that I've been through a bit of a um, occasional tweet. I did one great big long kind of uh, thread a couple of couple of weeks ago, I think, and I've kind of been adding to it as I've been thinking of things about my personal journey about moving towards more kind of eco friendly ways of living, ways of working. Um, and it's actually a journey I've been on for a very long time, um, but it's not something I've really talked about just because I don't, it's, I, I don't know why I've seen it's more as a personal thing, but I, I liked the idea that I could probably talk about it a bit more and inspire others, which you know, sounds very similar to your Green Tech, um, was it Green Tech Southwest? That's right, yeah, Green Tech Southwest, yeah. yeah. Um, and to try and, try and encourage people to do stuff. So um, yeah, it'd be really good to get... Um, uh, talk to you a bit more about that um mm. well i'm always up for uh, talking about that stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely sure. yeah so um so is that how, how long have you kind of had that as a you say it's just a kind of like a side gig mm. how long has it been a side gig for you or when did it become like an official side gig for you um so actually it was about this time last year that i gave a talk at bath digital festival um mm-hmm. called oh god I can't even remember what I called it now, but it was to do with the environmental impact of tech. I think it was like the carbon emissions of the internet. Um, mm-hmm. So that was my, I suppose, my debut, if you like. Um, and so, you know, it was about three months before that that I started researching and planning and sort of trying to um, make this more of a proper side hustle rather than something I was just thinking about. So, yeah, so I'd say it's about you know, what, 16 months, 15 months, something like that, that this has been something mm-hmm. I've been focusing on a lot. But mm-hmm. I've always, always cared about the environment and always been deeply troubled by the way that we live as a society, even as a kid. Um, I remember <laughs> my poor mum and dad learning about recycling at school and then coming home, I must have been about eight or nine, and you know, demanding that we recycle everything at home and sort of trying to figure out with my mum and dad how we could make that work and stuff. I, I've just always had this real empathy for the environment. I, I guess just something I'm born with or the way I am, I don't know, but, you know, plants and animals are, have always been something that I'm very, very in tune with um, mm-hmm. and care a lot about. So it's always been there for me, 
for forever, but it was only recently. Actually, it was WordCamp Berlin. So what was that? Twenty nineteen. I've lost track of the years. Yeah, that was that was only last year, wasn't it? The last <laughs> WordCamp Europe. Gosh, yeah. I know. So actually, I heard Jack Lennox. Um, I don't know if you either of you oh, know yeah. Jack. Yeah. Oh, no, you well, don't. I know him online, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah he's mm. super lovely. Yeah. He gave a talk at WordCamp Berlin all about the carbon emissions of the internet. And that was the first time the penny dropped for me. And I was like, whoa, hang on a minute. For all my life, I've been, you know, really passionate about the environment. And I mentioned it, I worked at the Environment Agency for seven years. Um, you know, I've been passionate about the environment, but never ever realized that the, the industry that I now work in has an impact. Um, and Jack, Jack's talk was absolutely awesome. Um, he gave a statistic, something like that the, the internet is the world's sixth biggest polluter. Um, if, it, if it was a country, if, if you converted the internet yeah. into a country, it would be the world's sixth biggest, sixth biggest, <laughs> I'm struggling with that one, sixth biggest polluter. Which is mm. nuts. Like when you hear it in those sorts of terms, like Ian, your response there of whoa was exactly what I thought. I was like, whoa, no way. How would how do I not know yeah. about this? So Jack very much inspired me then to kind of he dropped the penny for me and I was like, Whoa, okay, this is something I wanna be doing. And actually I'd noticed that WordCamp Belgrade a uh, Word, WordCamp Europe in Belgrade in twenty eighteen there was absolutely nothing on the agenda that year about sustainability or about environmental impact, really in, in any way, shape or form that I noticed as an attendee. And I remember thinking at that WordCamp, I was like, whoa, WordPress community, what's going on here? But I hadn't connected at that point that the tech is a problem. I was thinking about food waste and, you know, swag and kind of other, you know, other types of, of sustainability. Mm. Um, so, so Jack, sorry, that was a very long answer to your question as to <laughs> did you kind of get into it? Um, no, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Word, no, it's, it is, no, it's interesting. WordCamps and Jack at WordCamp Europe Berlin was a real pivotal moment for me where I was like, I really need to sort this out and get on the case with this and be a voice because there aren't enough voices talking about this. Yeah, no, yeah. sure. So what um, what, what have you done? So that was when the penny dropped. Mm. What do you think that you've done since then to um, improve things just just from your side? So, you know, I, obviously you want to talk to people and, you know, kind of get other people on board and understanding about it, let the penny drop for them like it did for you. But have you done anything to change, you know, um, your impact on the web or anything like that? Well, I mean, taking it to a real personal level, um, and just talking about specific things that I've done. I mean, the key thing is thinking about what is powering your websites, your hosting. Mm -hmm. So where, where is the electricity coming from that's powering your website? So the biggest thing that I've done is switched all of my own websites over to hosting providers that run on renewable energy and that are committed to running on renewable energy. So mm -hmm. my chosen hosting provider is Crystal. Um, who mm -hmm. are ditto yeah okay so um, they have a managed WordPress project but they also have share, uh, sorry they have a managed WordPress hosting which is really useful and then also sort of shared hosting products as well um, and I've whenever my 
clients have talked to me about switching hosting, my first recommendation is always, okay, well, let's see what we can do to put you on renewable host, uh, hosting that's powered by renewable energy. So for me, in terms of the biggest thing that I've done is that. And I mean, I kind of, I'm, you can't see my face, but I, I almost feel like I'm smirking a little bit inside because, oh my God, that's so easy. <laughs> it's such an easy thing to do and has such a big impact. So there's some data that suggests that like, 30% of the energy consumed by you having a website is consumed at the data center level. So mm -hmm. if your data center is powered by renewable energy, you are making a huge impact into reducing the carbon emissions of your website for just changing mm -hmm. hosting. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost laughably easy just to initially, you can't say that you've reduced 30% of your emissions because it's not quite you know all power generation has an emission you can't you know you can't say it's zero but it has a big impact a big big change let's say 25 percent reduction to keep the numbers simple just by moving hosting mm. to a provider that cares yeah yeah absolutely yeah and it's amazing as well that you know something like if you've got a traditional host where you know your hosting account is based on like say cpanel or plesk or something like that being able to get an export of that and dump it onto a new host with hardly any downtime, just a DNS change, it's just one of the easiest things that you can do. I appreciate it's not always that way if you're on a managed system or if you're on, um, you know, although that's getting easier every day, you know, if you're moving between lots of managed WordPress hosting providers, um, if there's one that's not eco-friendly and that they don't have, you know, renewable energy and then that, that you want to move to one that does, a lot of the time if you're migrating they will migrate that for you i've noticed um you know as part of the service so that's quite an easy thing to do and yeah if you're moving cpanels or or plesk you know environments from one host to another it's just so so straightforward so yeah it's good and actually i i've used crystal more or less since i had my business so it's about 10 years now and they've um i've always been pleased with that i i chose crystal because i thought they looked kind of the best and they hit that price point balance mm, as well mm. um but you know they're really great on security this isn't a sponsored episode <laughs> but um their, their security is excellent uh their support's excellent um if i've ever had any problems they've been brilliant and yeah for a, for a uk-based host i think they're really really good interesting fact i don't know if you know this but they used to be based in an ex-mod fallout shelter in kent i did not know that that they moved to the a data center either in London or just outside of mm -hmm. London um, a couple of years ago, but that was one of the reasons why I chose them originally because I just thought that's so cool. <laughs> I just if if there's a nuclear fallout, my website is safe. <laughs> Your website's safe. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's so good, but yeah, and they were. Um, I think they were still powered by renewable energy then. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Talking about hosting, because I, I feel like, Jack, you've had this, have you had this conversation on Twitter? But like, I personally host all my sites on DigitalOcean. And like now, obviously having this conversation, I'm thinking, oh, well, hang on, what did DigitalOcean do? What's their policy? Like, but do, have you gone down that road, Jack? Because obviously, you do the same with some of your sites with via spin up WP. But like, mm. are we hosting with the baddies? Are we hosting or with the goodies? Like, what's going on? Like, yeah, it's an interesting one, actually, because I, 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 
basically had a good look at all of my hosting kind of stuff a couple of uh, months ago, months ago, weeks ago. I can't remember. Time's just disappeared this year, isn't it? Um, but um, I I did look at DigitalOcean, and they're they're not transparent about it at all on their website. However, you can see which data centers they use, and then you can go to the providers of those data centers and look at their websites and see if they're green or mostly green in terms of you know the energy that they use and um quite a lot of them if not nearly all of them are i think especially in the uk and europe i think europe's slightly ahead of the uk um mm. i'm trying to remember here but there is a there, there oh, i can't remember the name of the i'll put it i'll make sure it's put it in the show notes but it's that there, there is a, the the company that runs quite a lot of the data centers in the uk and the in europe um do have a lot of information and a very, very specific, you know, um, data about what their emissions are and what they plan to do and all kinds of things that I have no idea what any of it means, but does mm. imply or mean that they are green. It's just that, it, that it doesn't always show up. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, yeah, Equinix. I've just done a quick Google. In fact, yeah, oh, that's good. It's good to know then, like, there's probably a fair to good chance that the, the data center that my droplets on are run by a renewable energy provider or a provider using renewable energy that's good yeah that's good yeah 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 so ian really interesting point about kind of looking into um the into into your different hosting providers um there is a an organization called the green web foundation who have a website and that lists known um hosting providers that are run on renewable energy They've been around for quite a while, like 10 or 12 years. And they have some really, really interesting data that shows kind of how the web has been greening over over that period of time. Um, they're actually just redoing their site at the moment. So um, that, you know, the site itself is, is due for a bit of a, a refresh and an overhaul. Um, but there are huge listings of uh, green hosting providers all across the world, which are really, really useful. Um, we are quite spoiled in the UK and Europe for choice, actually. It's been very interesting having conversations like this with friends and people I've met in America when you talk about, you know, switching green host, switching hosting provider. And they're like, yeah, but like literally we don't have that choice here in America. Certainly when they talk about the power that they're using to run their own homes as well. But anyway, I digress. Definitely, definitely check out the Green Web Foundation. And it's an open source data set, so it gets used by lots and lots of tools like the website Carbon Calculator um, to sort of determine what what energy your site is being run on. Um, and they're also really, really up for people submitting um, submitting hosting companies that aren't listed as renewable. Um, and perhaps, you know, things have changed. So I think, Jack, maybe even you did this for the Digital Ocean stuff that you I did. Discovered. I added one yeah. to the data set. Yeah. yeah. Um, if they do ask for a lot of information that yeah. I think is what I was talking about a minute ago, where you don't know what any of it means, yeah. the facts and figures and acronyms, and you have no idea, really, unless you're in that space. So it took me a long time to try and find all of that. Oh. But... Um, but I think I managed it in the end. I don't know if it's come up or if someone has to independently verify it afterwards. But I, I did, I did definitely add it 
I might try it all on my yeah, we can have a look. site to see what comes up. But I mean, that, that organisation and what they're doing is just amazing. It's such a useful resource and such a vital resource when you start thinking about this stuff. Step number mm. one, you know, green hosting. Um, I was delighted when I stumbled across the Green Web Foundation anyway. I think it's an amazing thing and one of its kind. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I've just checked and it hasn't recognized one of my sites as green even though i know it okay. is green yeah. and that's the one that i added so i don't know if i've added it wrong or something or it can't see that the thing that i've put in yeah it's not getting checked against or something i'll have a look at it at some point i know but, so um, i know chris yeah. who's one of the found uh directors of green web foundation and i think i'm talking to him on tuesday about something else anyway so i'll, I'll ask him out of curiosity how that process works and what's going on in the back end because um, yeah absolutely yeah, it'd be useful to know I'd be interested to know it would be yeah and I mean being that DigitalOcean is such a massive provider if they were able to sort of you know bulk import you know like the the data set for them as it currently stands that would be just huge because I'm sure that would I see on their site they've got uh, of the it looks like 501 million checks performed to date 30% is powered by renewable energy I wonder where those figures would sit yeah you know after all of that um yeah, interesting. I yeah. totally agree. Our data is only as good as, you know, what you put in, isn't it? So, you know, making sure that mm. that data is right is, is, is really important. And just letting yeah, people absolutely. know it's there. That's the other thing. Yeah. You know, just letting people yeah. know it's there. And, you you know, Jack, you're a legend because you took the time and effort to make a submission. But, you know, wouldn't it be great if some of these big hosting wow. companies could do it themselves, <laughs> like you say? Um, I know. Yeah, get yeah. involved. Yeah, if they took it seriously. You know, they have a little badge as well that you can put on your on your site. I haven't seen anyone have badges that you can put on your site for a little while, I have to say. But, you know, if you're a hosting provider and you can put that on there and they made it more of a more of a thing, that would be that would be amazing. Yeah, so definitely. um yeah, it's really good. You you said um obviously green tech and green tech southwest is not obviously just limited to renewable energy that your server runs on. Mm -hmm. What kind of other things should we be looking at here? Um, well, I mean, it depends which, as developers, I suppose, let's let's stick with developers because I guess that's the majority of people listen to this podcast. Like, I think there's different things that different people can do depending on what your job role is, so to speak. But let's stick with developers. So, I mean, another really, really, really big one that I'm absolutely fascinated by is looking at static site generators. So particularly mm -hmm. if you're running sites at scale, I think then you have the opportunity to make some really, really, really big improvements here. Not just for the environment because it's more efficient, but you know, there's all sorts of other massive benefits too, of course, like security and speed. Um, so mm -hmm. I think static site generators are a really, really interesting one. For us within the mm -hmm. WordPress community, it's an interesting uh conversation to have i think mm. we've got some good solutions that are coming we've got um stratic um which are a big provider of uh turning wordpress sites into static sites and then there's a couple of other plugins as well at some point i want to sit down and really really investigate all of these options um to see what you know what's what works and what doesn't um stratic i've had a good look at and very impressed with it so far but it's quite expensive um 
But yeah, looking at static site generation, I think is a really interesting step forward potentially for the WordPress community to green up what we're doing. So there's that. And then the other really key thing is just looking at performance in general. So, I mean, the thing about being environmentally conscious is if you're environmentally conscious, you will have so many other benefits aside from <laughs> saving the planet, which, I mean, it sounds like I'm being a bit facetious. I mean, I'm kind of not because that is the kind of place that we're at is we are literally mm. looking at the future of humanity. So I laugh and brush it off in terms of its severity. But, you know, it is seriously serious what we need to be doing to safeguard the future for generation our future generations it's you know i probably don't talk about that enough but you know it's bloody serious what we need to be doing like we are literally on um you know in, in our last kind of we have our last opportunity to sort stuff out anyway sorry i went off on one a bit there um where was i going so we were talking about static site generators static site generators and that's it i was so i was going to move on and sort of say that uh if you're being environmentally conscious there's all these fringe benefits that come with it um so for example environmentally conscious websites are performant websites so we know that mm -hmm. static generators are about performance can can really really improve performance and really really improve security if you're running you know normal dynamic websites driven by WordPress, a more environmentally friendly website is going to be a performant one. It's going to be one that has the smallest file size possible to deliver that site. So we're not mm. going to be loading in tons and tons of analytics programs. We're going to be lazy loading our images, our videos. We're going to be compressing and minifying everything that we possibly can. Doing that not only benefits the environment, but it benefits performance, it benefits users. In many cases, it benefits SEO as well. So I think it's really a really interesting point to make and a point to discuss is that many people do things for the environment, for the environment itself. You know, that's their primary driver, but you're, you're going to have loads and loads and loads of other awesome benefits happening at the same time which to me just mm. kind of makes it a no-brainer um, that you would do this stuff because it's just about making stuff better for all sorts of people. Exactly, yeah. And even, even I think, on a higher level, people seem to go for down the performance route because it gives them a like an SEO boost. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, if you have to convince people to you know to do something sometimes that's the that's the easier route but the, like you say the fringe benefit of that is that it, it it's a little bit better for the environment to do that i mean it boggles my mind why anyone especially knowing that things like lazy loading is built into like latest versions of chrome and stuff like that and you just got to kind of take advantage of it why you go onto a site and lazy loading isn't there and why minification hasn't been done and why assets haven't been you know um combined and just a whole bunch of stuff that just seems that can be taken care of with one, two, maybe three plugins, usually one or two, on a WordPress site. And it, can, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a, uh, it's not a, an all-encompassing kind of solution. You know, you have to take it back to the development stage, obviously, but you can do that as well. You know, uh, there is a massive conversation going on at the moment around like, you know, the Jamstack and static yeah. site generators mm -hmm. in general. I think, especially as I know that WordPress lost, um, you know, the 
it fell out of the running on running the was it the w3 mm, um, website right. yeah. so yeah. yeah they voted against using wordpress for that um for a couple of reasons um which we probably won't go into but they've been looking at i know st- static site generators and things like that and uh, it means a lot to them you can kind of tell they they are the people that look at bytes and how they move around um, because that's kind of what the, the web was built on and all those things. So yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I think I think it's just it's really it's really important to just do some of the, the basics like you say. It's just it like I said, it just blows my mind. It really is so simple, some of this stuff. And I think if you if you design and build custom themes as me and you do, um, I think that's obvious but to someone that might say inherit a website or just has to maintain a website you know for an organization it's not necessarily something they understand because there is an understand there is a requirement of you know this is how like say SAS compiles down into CSS this is how it gets smaller and all that sort of thing so I think the education part of making like you say you could do through like green tech southwest is really important to those kinds of people um yeah it's yeah it, it like i say it's no it's no brainer really but it just it has so many benefits it's a no brainer when you're privileged enough to understand this stuff um mm. it's not i mean to the vast majority of people so i've done wordpress training for quite a long time it's not something i do anymore but there was a time for a couple of years where i was running workshops and things with people to build you know, WordPress sites, self-hosted WordPress sites. So I'm not trying to train people to be developers, but just trying to train people how to make their own website. And, you know, trying to explain to them about compressing images and what that means and what's going on behind the scenes is, is tough because for many of them, they don't even understand the difference between a PNG and a JPEG or mm. an SVG, what, what those things are. You start talking to them about WebP, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, bless them. They're just excited to be able to get an image on their website. That That is their goal. That's where they are. Mm. But, I mean, I just I feel so strongly that the WordPress community really could and should be doing so much more to educate people. I'd love to see some companies sponsoring people to work on the WordPress open source project specifically to, to start talking about environmental sustainability, to start educating people about the impacts of what they're doing to the to the planet and to carbon emissions, as well as, you know, there's other things we talked about, performance or UX or SEO or accessibility, all of those things. And I, I really feel the WordPress community is missing that at the moment. I just, it's so it fringe, yeah. it's not there at all. <clears throat> It's, um, it's no, interesting I mean, we you have... just mentioned accessibility as well. Mm. Sorry, Jack. Yes. No, no, that's, that's, that fit... I, I was going to go yeah. off that as well. I was just going to say we have an accessibility team. Why don't we have a, you mm. know, a, 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 a gr- I say it very loosely, the, were terms like eco and green, mm. you know, they, they are very loose terms, but, you know, a green team that, that, that they can have. You know, why do we have these various teams within either core or, you know, external parties looking at WordPress, but we don't have one doing this? Yeah, mm. but it, I mean, accessibility is not exactly at the forefront of the WordPress community or the WordPress project. And I think like the team that they have at the moment has been historically like it's been harder for them to do to get stuff done. And obviously with Gutenberg and the po- original poor accessibility level, like it feels like the conversation we're having around eco 
and the web and WordPress, it, it's like it's the same as accessibility in that a lot of developers kind of know they should think about it, but they don't know, they don't have the tools or the education to understand what they need to do or the time or the inclination or the money, the budget from the client. And it just kind of gets left to one side, which is a shame. But obviously, as you say, with the performance reasons and other fringe benefits, that that's something they should be focusing on. Um, and obviously accessibility, again, is something people should be focusing on, but people don't always have the drive and the time. And yeah, it's, it's hard to tick every box. It really is. I mean, it's a really interesting one. So, I mean, what? So I completed my degree in like 2004 and I started sort of coding and building websites when I was maybe 16. So what that I've been interested and involved in this stuff for what 20 odd years now, maybe even a bit more. Um, internet has gotten really complicated the the power mm -hmm. and the possibilities that we have are immense like we can do the coolest stuff like the most amazing stuff and if you know how to use the right tools you can do it really fast and efficiently but it's complicated so you know jack you were talking about minification and compiling sas to css and all that stuff like amazing when you know how to do that and what all of that stuff is but you know when you're so actually i teach on a boot camp um so i teach coding on a boot camp here in bristol called develop me and so i regularly work with people who are brand new into the industry and oh my word it's humbling and fascinating the kind of observations that they have and you know just think oh when you're completely new to all this stuff it's so complicated there's so much going on um you know, even just thinking about different front-end technologies or different ways of, of tooling. So Gulp, uh, you know, Gulp, Grunt, Webpack, all this stuff. It's, uh, yeah, there's an awful lot going on out there. And I do also sometimes just think, what would happen if we all just slowed down a bit? If we all mm. just chilled out and stopped inventing new stuff and stopped, mm. you know, making all this stuff possible and what what would happen if we all just kind of made the stuff that we already have better and more resilient and more robust more accessible more environmentally friendly more well understood more fine-tuned you know I don't think I mean I don't know if it would ever happen but you know anything's possible look at what the pandemic's done like it's created all sorts of things that we never thought would be possible so I live in hope mm. But I would love to see tech slow down a bit, chill out, and just kind of get these basic things done right that we know we need to do. Accessibility is a mm. good example. Education around mm. environmental impact would be another one of my top top things. Um, yeah. Mm. yeah. I suppose it's difficult when you've got such an open, you know, um, environment to do it in because, you know, the world is literally your oyster when it comes to that it's not run by a company that has you know it says we're going to take it in this direction or that direction um you know it's it's just it's just it, there's so many components and things and i suppose the closest thing to that is somewhere uh, it's, it's a company like w3c mm. um you know and and they do stuff and they do stuff and they do good stuff and they do try and lead it and you know you will get things like html5 and html6 and so on you know but um and you know uh, css you know variables and all that sort of stuff but 
yeah, it's, it's interesting what you say. I mean, I do know a whole bunch of people that just write pure CSS. They don't, and I'm sorry, pure CSS is something else as well, actually. I just mean CSS in its basic form form um and not compile it down from sas yeah. or something like that um and they know it inside and out as well they really really do and they they talk about bytes quite a lot mm. you know you have to you have to remember that each character is a you know of anything you're writing is a byte so you're if they can save bytes you know that equates to kilobytes but it's minified it's down to nothing and i think some of the some of the, the things that you know you see like a little um, jQuery framework or something you can drop in to a site it says on oh, minified it's only one kilobyte or something that's I, when I see those kinds of things they're people that are thinking about performance and I always find those quite interesting they're the people I kind of want to follow a bit more um, I know it can be a bit of a salesy kind of a thing as well but um, yeah it is always quite interesting I always want to look at that um, so Jack I'm just going to yeah. say something just in case anything I said there could be misconstrued I just, I love innovation and I love the fact that yeah. we can create these new things and that we have this open environment in which to work. And I'm definitely not knocking that in what I'm saying because I think innovation is incredibly important and exciting. And heck, I love innovating. Like, it's very exciting. But I'm just wondering, like, you know, if we all started to truly act and behave in a more sustainable way, I think that that manifests mm. in actually slowing down um, mm -hmm. and, you know, making what we have sustainable and robust for the long term. So I just didn't want anyone to sort of misconstrue my comments there as saying that innovation is bad or that we shouldn't be inventing new things, because that's very much not what I'm saying. Yeah, no, of course. No, I, I did understand that. Um, absolutely. Um, I think it's particularly this year, it's told a lot of people to slow down. I know that, mm. um, uh, I, you know, a few people that they've had to stop work particularly like during the summer they've said it just give me back time all of a sudden where I haven't had to work or I haven't needed to work or I haven't you know I've been let go or furloughed or whatever it may be I've suddenly got the time and it's given me time to do things that I've really wanted to look at and I think when you have the time to be able to look at things like that it's really good but most of the time you know we live in a pretty high paced you know um, world where everything is just fast so fast and in fact whenever that comes up I always remember that bit it's sort of towards the end of um the Shawshank Redemption the film if sorry apologies if you haven't seen it spoiler alert I've been out for a little while now um <laughs> where um one of the uh I can't remember his name but he's the chap that has is it the raven uh in the prison and he he gets let out and he's in his like 70s or possibly early 80s you know and he gets let out and one of the first things he says kind of he's narrating this particular part and he's narrating a letter that he sent to um, his friend Red, who's still in prison. And he says, um, the world went and got itself in a big hurry. Mm. And it's he says it as he's almost hit by a, a, a car just trying to cross the road because he's, when he went in, he was a pedestrian and he said, I saw a car once at like, you know, uh, a world's fair or something, you know, when I was younger before he went into prison and now they're everywhere kind of thing you don't think about them you know you and it, it sort of it, I think about that scene for some reason quite often because it ties into things that I'm seeing a lot about closing off streets to traffic 
and you know um, we're going through a, a big kind of process in this country at the moment of um, re-pedestrianising streets mm. you know low traffic neighbourhoods things like that where the the pedestrian should have priority at all times over everything and it just it it's all those things that all of a sudden when you've got this quieter kind of calmer slower world you can you can see the wood through the trees for a moment and you can kind of see what's important and what you want to spend your time on mm. and sometimes with the web where everything is so fast mm. it's really difficult to see that um you know you take your your self away from the computer for a minute everything's so quick you know we always want the fastest hardware we always want things to appear on our screen quickly we want things to compile quickly and do this and do that and news is just instantaneous everything is just instantaneous the moment you switch all of that off for a minute and just kind of go outside or go and do something else everything is a lot 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 slower and I think it, it's very difficult to find the time to do a lot of these things at the moment I, I, I do wonder whether the, the time has to be introduced from a much much higher level um, a lot of the time you know it has to be done from a, a government level or a um, you know someone that's overseeing some of this and go we have to make more of an effort to make the web a more sustainable place we need to make sure that it we quiet things down a little bit we we look at what we're doing and we do like you say spend a bit more time on what we're what we're doing you have to get your emissions down to a certain level you know have some targets you know maybe your company is this big this is what you do your emissions have to be this you know um we have you know government puts that kind of um thing on councils you know they mm -hmm. said councils your city your area that you administrate cannot exceed you know levels of pollution um otherwise you get fined now i'm talking uh living you know just outside of bath and bath has one of the worst areas of pollution in the country mm -hmm. and we exceed that limit time and time and time again and as far as i know we haven't been fined for years if at all so it's a little bit empty, but if they put the impact behind it like they did with the GDPR, and look at all those pop-ups and what that must have added to, uh, you know, the web's carbon footprint. Yeah, it feels <laughs> like an see, uphill task. I can task, see I, Ian just kind of melted then, like, oh, don't but, even talk to me about those but, darn modals. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You you guys are definitely passionate about it, and but I'm a little bit more. Sorry, I really went off on one there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit more now. sort of jaded by. If you look at the web, like everything I guess you guys do is focused on improvement and its best practices with all of these benefits in mind. But you look at the majority of the web, and like yeah, it's pop up after pop up, and the the big companies that are you know hit having every website with their analytics tracking and the, the ads tracking and all of the external scripts oh, that are loading adverts. like just it's it's a wild west of like just horrific well it's a horrific user experience it's a horrific probably impact on the on you know on the environment but yeah like to to introduce something that is more of it like you're saying that the limit on councils if you to have that on the web like how does that work i mean We've got Facebook, who are, yes. you know, they're, they're not exactly the best um, citizen of the web really in, in terms of anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, th this is, it just feels like an uphill task. And um, that's not to take away from the, the need for it. But, yeah, there's, there's a couple of things. There's so much crap out there. 
I'd like to sort of just come in and say there, if that's all right, because it was really interesting listening to both of you speaking. And one thing I definitely recognise personally, and last night I went to a meetup called the Bristol Green Mingle, which is an online meetup bringing together um, organisations from across the city who are doing things with regards to sustainability. So it's not necessarily tech. So we had someone talking about food, we had someone talking about solar panels, like it's, you know, citywide. And we had one guy talking from uh, an area of Bristol called Lawrence Weston, which is one of the more deprived areas in Bristol. And his, what he was saying was just so brilliant, because he was like, look, you've got to remember that you are in a really, really privileged position if you have the time and energy and space to think about climate change and act on it. Because actually the yeah. majority of the time you're dealing with more immediate concerns such as have you got mm. enough food to eat? Can you heat your home? Are your children well and safe? Are you well and safe? Are you paying your bills? You know, these sorts of concerns. So I really, really recognize that, that I am so, so, so privileged that I have the time, energy and space to devote myself to this. And mm. uh, Ian, you know, I totally understand your point of view which is like you know you're you perhaps don't have that time energy and space available to you you've got children to think about a business to run and and that's well and well understood and and, and okay I think that's a really important thing to say when we talk about this stuff is to recognize our privilege and you know to not make other f people feel bad that they don't have that time space and energy to act in the way that you would like people to act or want people to act. So I think there's there's that point. I'd like mm -hmm. just to mention this whole pop-ups, cookies, annoying thing. Oh my God, like, yes, I hear you. Oh. Um, there are some really interesting analytics programs out there that are privacy friendly and climate mm. friendly as well. So just been given a really interesting task by one of my clients to really deep dive into these and see what we could use so on the list of things to look at are plausible analytics um okay don't know if you've heard of that uh cabin analytics which is supposed to be very green and privacy friendly and a third one called fathom as well mm, yes i have yeah. heard of Fathom. lots of people yeah. talk about Fathom. so i like i think the state that we're in right now is bad on the internet with pop-ups and cookies and all this crap but there are some interesting serving services out there coming up that i think could be real challenges and again it's this thing of like not only will that benefit the environment it'll benefit people mm -hmm. thinking about privacy and people thinking about speed and, you know, perhaps uh, data experts actually using the data. They'll have less, perhaps, data to work with, which maybe is a good thing. Um, so yeah. I just wanted to throw that into the mix. And then the last thing, because there were three things that I thought were really relevant to what you were both saying. And the last point is this idea of slowing down. Um, there's a really, really interesting publication that's just come out called Branch Magazine. And that mm -hmm. has been released through an organization called CAT which stands for Climate Action Tech. And I think the, the URL is something like branch.climateaction.tech, something like that. 
and it's a magazine which is filled up with a lot of interesting think pieces which are all about the sustainability of the internet. Um, some of them are talking about slowing down, some of them are talking about you know, uh, societal things, um, political things that we, we need to put in place. Um, but if, if you had a bit of time to you know, hop on the sofa and grab a cup of tea and, and read some of those articles, there's some really enlightening stuff in there. And mm. I, it gives me real hope that there are people out there thinking like this. There are people out there really working hard and with some amazing ideas about things that we could be doing better. So it is a wild west at the moment, but I think we can sort of steer it to a better place. Um, but of mm -hmm. course, if you're in that privileged position of having time, energy and space to do that, not everybody can. But there are some people that are, mm. so which is really, really cool. Anyway, sorry, I went off yeah. on one there, but I just really wanted to sort of wedge those things in because I think they're really relevant and no. interesting. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, no, I just wanted to follow up and say um, that what I said about it could be a bit more like a higher-up organisational government level kind of imposing things. That seems to be what a lot of people are saying, mm. and I think it shouldn't just it shouldn't it put you off from doing things yourself waiting for someone else to do something it, it, it some of the bigger things like in this country we had the you know plastic bags now cost money at supermarket apparently that was the most successful campaign the government has ever done and it reduced and it was something like a 97 or 99 percent decrease in the amount of plastic bags we now use in this country which is amazing and that's what it takes I think sometimes for these things to happen however it shouldn't stop you from doing stuff straight away I just want to make sure that you know don't 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 wait on them I think not at the moment you're so right Jack like action particularly on climate change has to come from all levels it has to come from grassroots yeah it has to come from established businesses leading the way on change and it also has to come at a societal policy level as well and all three stratas well there's probably more than three stratas but it's to keep it simple all three of those stratas can innovate and you know make make differences so I I totally agree with you. And there's easy things that you can do as well. Hopefully we've we've talked about some of those. Um, yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah, so just to kind of, just to, if you had to give a bullet point list of things that people could kind of do, um, what what would they be? There would be green hosting. Yeah. Uh, there would be, what else? So Green hosting, definitely. Also, if you work from home, switch your energy provider to a green energy provider as well. In fact, the bills are normally cheaper than the big mm -hmm. uh, providers, um, but that can make a really big difference because your your devices at home use power. So, you know, mm. you can run those devices on renewable energy from home. That's a big thing you can do. And I think the third thing is think about performance sites if you're a developer. It's another, another nudge to kind of get you uh, in queuing things in the right order or minifying things or compressing things. And we know we should do it anyway for uh, all sorts of other reasons, but there's that environmental reason too. So think about performance. And I think the fourth thing is just learn, educate yourself, read around stuff, share your knowledge. Um, there's loads of stuff out there, loads of ways you can do that. Um, and if you are lucky enough to have the time, I think it's a really great thing to do. Absolutely. That's brilliant. 
thank you very much, Hannah, for, for coming on and having a good chat to us about all of that. It's, um, it felt good. It was, it was good. It was a very positive, you know, actionable episode, I felt. There's lots, lots to think about and lots to do there. Um, where can people find you if they want to reach out and say hello? Well, Twitter's always a really, really good place. You can find me on Twitter. Um, I hang out as well on the UK Make WordPress Slack group as well mm-hmm. and and the sort of the global one as well so i'm on both of those um being a female developer i'm quite easy to find so uh <laughs> there aren't that many hannahs so you should be able to find me okay um twitter's good and if you're in the climate action tech community which is free for anyone to join i'm i'm on that slack group too um so you can find me in nice. any of those ways i'll have a look at that when we finish definitely the call. do i think That's it's brilliant. a really really great community i really 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 love it actually i'm quite involved in it so yeah some good nice. stuff there mm. good well thanks very much hannah Pleasure. Uh, it was really great to chat to you and uh, and ian always good to, ta- to chat to you as always and, yeah lovely uh, to chat to you both thank you and uh, we'll see you again in the next episode thanks very much awesome thanks again for having me guys mm-hmm.